As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast. With Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. All right, Bobby. Well, as much talk as we had uh, following the Ron Rivera discussion and this idea and this notion to get rid of your coach before the season is even over... We really didn't even get into one of the more uh, confusing statements from Jerry Jones this week. And that was once again on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, Our buddies over there have had a fun time trying to wrangle (laughs) Jerry in this year because it seems like his emotions have been all over the place. But he dropped this bomb that Jason Garrett was going to be coaching in the NFL this year. And we've got Brian Broaddus joining us here on the show, formerly of DallasCowboys.com. He's now on the pre- and post-game show on 105.3 The Fan. Bobby, before I get to Brian, what was your take on that? Uh, the, the thing that I actually took away from it was when he said, in my opinion, Jason Garrett will be coaching somewhere in 2020. To me, that says that his future is not certain here, that it's in my opinion. So I believe that if he's not here, he will be somewhere else. So, I mean, I think that's actually about as squishy as Jerry can potentially be on Jason. And so, I mean, I I feel like saying that was definitely leaving open the door for he may not be here next year. I took it as him leaving the door open in the event he decides to hold on to his man. Brian, what was your takeaway? And welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you guys allowing me the opportunity here. I love your guys' show, by the way. Thank you. my takeaway was after the New England game, we heard from a general manager. We heard the 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 anger, the uh, the disappointment. You know, Jerry, the general manager. The last couple of times we've heard Jerry post Buffalo game, Jerry owner. This what we heard with Sean and RJ yesterday. That was more about I think Jerry the owner again. 
So it, it's it, it's this balance I'm trying to figure out. Do I do I believe the general manager that was upset after the New England game, or do I continue to get taken in by the owner who spins these stories and kind of changes the narrative? And I I think to me, I I don't know if if Jason Garrett was going to be was going to continue to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, I think they would have extended him before the season. I don't I don't think I don't I don't think allowing him to carry out this season without a contract, even though they say, wait, in 2014, Brian, you know, he didn't have a contract then. They went and lost the game at Green Bay, got the extension and now out to this point. But to me, I, I took it as, you know, like Bobby was saying, I took it as there's still an uncertainty there. And I, I don't think that I, I, with Jerry, he's the one that's going to make the ultimate decision. But I think Jerry's to the point now where he's listening to Stephen Jones, his son. He's listening to Will McClay. He's listening to other people talk about his coach. He hears what's going on. He's hearing what's being said about his coach around in the media. And maybe he doesn't care what people say. You know, maybe, but there's a lot of people that are former general managers, coaches themselves, talking about the job that Jason Garrett has done with the talent that they have currently on this football team. And to your point, we were all a part of this and covering this. Remember how hard it was for them to get Jerry on board with letting Des Bryant go? Right. That one went longer than a lot of people expected. In other words, the decision had been made in the building. We were told that Jerry was the last one to sever the tie, and it was a tough one for him. And that was ultimately... Des Bryant going to his office and Jerry essentially saying, I'm not even going to ask you to take a pay cut. This isn't, this just isn't working. But I was told it took a lot to get Jerry to that point. Well, Do you think they're in a similar place with Jason well, right now? And I ask you that yeah. for the viewers that are not familiar with you or listeners rather, I find that hard to believe if you're listening to this Cowboys podcast, <laughs> yeah. you're in the building. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about story, Jane, because I was the last staffer that, that Des Bryant saw uh, in, in the building because I was walking down the hallway. Jerry was in a draft meeting, and uh, at, currently at the Star. And if you've ever taken a tour, or been the Star, you know it's the, it's down the football operations side. And I was saw Des Bryant walking the other way, coming at me. And I was coming, and he says, "Ah, the paparazzi's here." <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, "I said, what are you doing, man?" He goes, oh, "I'm coming to see the owner." And as soon as he and I hugged at the door, Jerry walked out of the draft room. Mm. And that, and I, and Jerry and Steven saw me right there, and I gave Des a hug. I said, "Good luck to you, man." And he said, "Thanks." And then that time, we, then next thing you know, you were off chasing him uh, down the road. But yeah, <laughs> I, day I th- I'll never forget. Yeah, day you'll never. You did a great job of handling that, by the way. But you know, I, I think that to me, this, I think that Jerry has has seen this for ten years now. I'm, I'm starting to see the the Jerry Jones of well, the first couple years. You know, yeah, we're going to grow. We're going to grow together. But we're seeing the same mistakes. We're seeing the same game management problems. We're seeing things that are that are troubling that you, yeah, you first couple of years, you're saying, okay, that's fine. We're just growing here. But Jason Garrett is not a difference maker. And I don't know how that Jerry Jones can sit there and see that. And again, losing games to Bill Belichick is one thing, but losing a game to Sean McDermott is another thing. You know, and losing game to Mike Zimmer is another thing. There's nothing about Jason Garrett that leads you to believe that he could be the difference maker in these games. That's the problem I have, and that's the problem I think he has. Does Jerry not want to admit that this is a failed experiment? 
because it was an experiment that he concocted. Well, in other words, Jason Garrett is his creation. Yeah. And we haven't really gotten into Jerry, the GM, Troy Aitman sure did this week. Let's play that audio real quick. I always believe everything starts at the top. And that's not to say that everything's the fault at the top, but that's where it begins. And, and, you know, we've got a head coach who we know for 10 years has been saying that we're focused on Tuesday, today. That's all we're working. That's all we're worried about is having the best practice today that we can possibly have. And that's been his messaging throughout. And the owner's talking about getting on a run and winning the Super Bowl. And, and they've lost three of their last four. And you've got a head coach who comes out and says, we're going to evaluate the kicker. And then the front office says right after that, probably at a press conference right outside the locker room, that they weren't evaluating the kicker. And all those things have an impact. And, and, and it slowly trickles down. And uh, so I think there's a lot of factors that have played into this. Coaching obviously hasn't been great at times in certain situations. Players haven't played great, but the front office hasn't been great in uh, in allowing the head coach to do his job either. That was Troy Aikman on DFW's The Ticket. That's why I bring it up. Yeah. I You know, I, I think to me that when I look at this, I understand why he named Jason Garrett the coach in the first place. You know, the five and three, the interim, the team played better. They quit on Wade Phillips. We all saw that. But Jason came in, he was different. They always talk about, it's one thing, hard worker. He's always a hard worker. He's always here, you know. He's a guy, nothing has changed about him. He wears the same outfit every day when we see him. He he has the same mannerisms. He does the same press conferences the same way. That's the one thing you could applaud for him. Two things for me, you could applaud for the roster that he's helped build because I think he is a good evaluator of talent. I'll give him full credit for that. Fought Work, for that quarterback. Yeah, I worked for I worked with his and dad. As a former scout, that's, yeah, that yeah. says a lot. No, no, I worked with his dad for six years, and I could tell around the the, the dinner table, he he picked something up about scouting because his evaluation of players and how things need to be done, draft boards and stuff, is top shelf. I would love to have worked with him in the early two thousands when I was in the scouting department here and had a head coach had a head coach like that. That would have been really good for us. But I, I think though the second thing you have to say about him is how consistent he's been. The consistency with the message. I think that's something. But you also have to focus in on, is he a difference maker? And in this day and age, with how these games are, how close these games are, there's difference makers around the league. And if you're Jerry Jones, how do you evaluate your your head coach as, is he a difference maker? And and I, he check he doesn't check that box for me. And I don't know how he checks that box for Jerry uh, for for himself. You know, Bill Belichick in that game the other day determined he might not win this game offensively, but he was going to beat you special teams, mm-hmm. and he was going to beat you on defense. They weren't prepared for that. The Cowboys weren't prepared for that. They lost the game badly. They didn't do enough. Didn't do enough offensively to win that game. Didn't do enough clearly on special teams. The two areas that Bill Belichick focused on, they won. Ultimately, won the game. So how do you? How do you, if you're going to measure yourself around the league against the great coaches? And you fail miserably, you know. And he's failing against coaches that are are not Bill Belichick. And I and I, and I, I think ten years has been long enough. The evaluation period is over. And I think with 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 what he's looking at right now is, and probably Stephen and Will saying, "Hey, listen, we are better than six and six. Think about the games that they've lost this year. If just coaching would have been, if you think about a, a coach, what did Greg Williams do in the Jets game? Sent a blitz." Sent, a, sent uh, Jamil Adams on a safety blitz and ended the game. You know, think about Mike Zimmer making two stops in, inside the ten yard line, holding them to a field goal. 
you have to be a difference maker in this day and age in the National Football League, and he currently doesn't have one as a head coach. But they could be 10-6. and six. Yeah, oh gosh. <laughs> don't, I, don't, you know, I, I wouldn't you know, even want to. But are, are you guys fooled? Are you, th- are you going to continue to ride that no, train? No, see, this is this is the way I look at it, is that this is the third podcast we've recorded since Jerry spoke after the Buffalo game when he was, you know, this could be a hell of a story and... And, you know, think about the, the story we could tell. And I'm a Spoonful man of redemption. Of sugar helps the medicine go down. If this team, as talented as they are, and I, I believe they are incredibly talented. If this team, as talented as they are, fails again this year and Jerry does give him an extension. To me, at that point, that says Jerry is more interested in storylines and, and narratives. And, and he's in love with the idea of a story of Jason Garrett carrying this team to the promised land more than he is actually with what it takes to win. And I don't believe that's Jerry, and so I don't believe he's going to do that. This man's 77 years old. He's 77 years old. I, I'm 55 myself, about to be 56. Looking the last, great, Brian. Thank you. The last <laughs> time he was in an NFC Championship game, he was my age. Think about that. I mean, I know the math's wrong, but, but 20 years, right. 20 plus yeah. years. Think about that. But it's because of that window, Ryan. It's because he's looking at Father Time. I think he's a little scared. You I know think what? he's scared of the unknown. But, he knows what he's doesn't getting he with Jason. doesn't he owe it to himself? Doesn't he owe it to himself to, to take a swing at it one more time with a guy that can maybe get him there? I don't think he can forgive himself because, make no mistake, Jason Garrett is going to be a candidate for some of these jobs that are open. That's fine, Jane. And if he that's goes fine. and wins one with one of these other teams, you don't think that's going to haunt Jerry? It's okay. If that's the case... You, I'm with you. I'm not you saying know, I agree with any of this, but I'm just telling you, I'm as much as I thought that Jerry was ready to move on, he sold me with the tear in the eye after the game. And yeah, he's a good salesman. We've seen because, him with the tears at some of these like Happy Hill Farm bunches. Sure. He believed this. He believes in Jason Garrett. So I'm. I'm then why I'm did he go? Then why did he go after him after that New England game? I agree because I he looked he at he, he looked at the, he looked at the inactive list and saw, whoa, wait a minute, I might be able to win a game. Bill Belichick playing with three wide receivers, two of them are rookies. Oh wait, maybe we can win this game today. I'm just telling you, he's been mad as hell before, and I am preparing fans and people that are. Heavily invest in this team and this notion of Jason Garrett being gone next year. Prepare for the possibility that Jason could be back. Oh, sure. It's it's a possibility. I don't think it's a likelihood, though. Unless they do go on that incredible run Jerry talked about and they do get to the Super Bowl some miraculous way, then sure. But, I mean, I think if they're out in the wild card round or the divisional round, I just, I can't see it. I I can't see him bringing him back. Who do you love more right now, Brian? Well, no, I mean, who's t- out there? Who who would do a better job and come in and win you a win you a Super Bowl in the next two years? Ron Rivera would do a better job, I think. I, I mean, I wouldn't go Ron Rivera. I wouldn't go Ron Rivera either. But, but if we're talking what, about people me, that we know are open but I'm right talking, now, I'm, I'm, a window of two years here, really. really. I, absolutely, try at the top. Go for the top. We don't know the contract situation of the guy in New England. We really don't. Or, okay, now you're, everybody's looking at me kind of weird there, but we don't know that con. We don't know that contract situation there, and there might be a time where we see all of a sudden that you know that that quarterback and the head coach not getting along. And is that a long shot? Absolutely, but that's where I would start. I'd absolutely start with that guy in New Orleans. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally. But Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's really good? Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. 
they play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Let me throw something out there for you guys. Jerry has attempted to go get him a big fish and it has not worked out in recent he should, years. and he should keep I'll trying just, jane because I'll, I'll toss that out there for you no no i understand the absence of the big fish here, what's here, wrong with the guy at oklahoma it, then well, well here here's, what's wrong with urban meyer here, urban meyer's one on every level you could say urban meyer's a terrible human being but if you look at old urban meyer's record at bowling green at utah at florida at ohio state he's one on every single level and it might allow him to keep if he wants to keep Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator, it might allow him to do that if Jerry and them have fallen in love with Kellen Moore and what they've done. I, the thing for me is that you know I, I I would bet you when Philadelphia went out and hired Doug Peterson, if you would have asked Jerry who would be better equipped to coach a team to a Super Bowl, he probably would have thoroughly believed it was Jason Garrett. And then Doug Peterson went out there and you know with half his stars missing, coached that team to a Super Bowl victory, bested Bill Belichick in a chess match. And so I, I don't think that just Jerry trusting himself to say, do I think this candidate is better than Jason? I think Jerry's too close to it at this point. And he's, he's got to just he's got to just take the leap and say, like he did with uh, Romo ended out retiring. But with the thought of Romo may go to Houston or Denver and go win a Super Bowl and that'll hurt. Or does may go off and join the Saints and win a Super Bowl and that'll hurt. Well, he did I, with I, the I, where I, DeMarcus I, Ware went off and won a Super Bowl in Denver. He's been through that. And, and it's I think one thing when I, a I think player does it. It's another when he's is left this a super? Right, let me ask you a question, Jane. Is this a Super Bowl coach? Is this a Super Bowl winning Jerry coach? Jerry has told us on the radio he thinks he has an exclusive skill set. So I'm not telling you what I believe, guys. This guy cannot get I'm out of the divisional round of the playoffs. The lines. He's preparing us for the possibility. If he's preparing us for the possibility of Jason Garrett still being here, he should have signed him an extension before the season even started. I think he's looking under a couple of rocks right now to see what's out there. 
But I think ultimately the idea of Jason going somewhere else and what's going to be left out there is going to scare him into signing him back. This is something that I asked Jane. If Jason even wants to come back this, after this, this year. This is I, you know, he should. If he wants that giant job, who wants a coach that doesn't call plays, doesn't call defensive plays, and doesn't game management? Go ahead and hire that guy. If that's who you want. That's a, Seriously, no, what does the guy do? What does the guy? If you guys, you know, you guys well, tell you, me you, what this you, guy you, could do. You, you've been talking to Michael Lombardi. It sounds no, no, like I mean, no, no. Michael and I are best friends. I know. I'm but what does he do? Is, well, okay, that's my another question for you. If we don't quite know what he does, other than motivate the men in the locker room, can Jerry possibly strip him of any more powers where he is a true walkabout coach? Walkabout. I mean, no, yeah, okay. no. I mean, he. To me, the thing is, is that when you look at how about just win games, the, the thing that they do think it's important, though, Brian, that he hasn't lost the locker room. I think that says a lot. I yeah, think, you know, because everybody like said if he gets to ten and six, I think I think this is what's going to keep Jerry up at night. Is, is a player scared if they have a coach that is not as is easygoing as him? Is it does is not as demanding? And maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm not saying this team doesn't need that. I'm not saying this team deserves that. I'm just telling you. The, when when everyone is is upset and ready to hurl bullets towards Jerry Jones towards the end of the season when he announces that he's re-signing Jason Garrett, I'm telling you, these are the things that are on that pro and cons list he told us about. Should he worry There's about losing the fan base? His... If he if he if he if he brings an extension, should he worry about losing the fan base? I, he I lost mean, the it, fan base last week it, when he started supporting Jerry again. I it, mean, Jason again. It's it's the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to lose the fan base. Just like I mean, I just don't think the fans are ever going to walk away. They'll be pissed and they'll be. You know, maybe they won't watch the first three games of the year, but then they'll slowly get sucked back. I think that's just Dallas Cowboys fandom. But I, I do think that, and I asked Jane this yesterday. Let's for a second assume Jason does get Jason's not back. Let's sure. let's operate under the assumption that that happens. You look at there are four different type of head, head coaching hires. Typically, it's the internal promotion, it's the retread NFL head coach, it's the hotshot coordinator, it's the star college coach, right? So without you don't have to like pick a name, but what do you think? What profile do you think Jerry would be looking at if they do move on from Jason? Why don't Garrett? you figure out what's working in the National Football League now? It's offense. It's moving the football. Look what they're doing at Baltimore. You know, we we talked about the hot shot. You know, Greg Roman will get a lot of consideration because what he's done. Greg Roman's been in a couple of really good situations. If you look, mm-hmm. you know where he's coached. You know, if he his what he was able to do uh, with the Forty ers with Colin Kaepernick. Now what he's doing. You know, they're tailoring their offense for their personnel. I, I understand the great love for Greg Roman, but I'm not I'm not going about with the with the coach that's having a head coach that's gonna have to learn along the way. You know, if I'm Jerry Jones, I don't have time. Is that not Lincoln though? Established head coach. So you think so you, about the success he had with Jimmy Johnson. Think about that. Think about the success that he had with a guy that not only understood the college game. But Jimmy was a defensive-minded coach. But Jimmy knew the players you have, the players you get, are college players. He's such a generational coach. I just don't know if I'm willing to, <laughs> to say that if you're rolling the dice on Lincoln that we can make a comparison that there was a similar situation I, with Jimmy. I, I think, I think did, the- did, oh, Let me ask you this. Jimmy Johnson had great success at Oklahoma State and then Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Great success. Yep. You know what, what's what's keeping what's keeping you know and a I lot understand. of ego there too though Lincoln doesn't have that like you if, you've got to have a li- real backbone if you're, you're Lincoln come Riley with an ego in Dallas if you're Lincoln Riley 
why would you not take this job? Why would you? Why would you not? This is a big stage. I, I will say, and, I, and if you I fail on the big stage. So what? Then he gets. Then one. he gets the Tennessee job. He gets the Florida State job. He's a young enough coach. It's not like he's sixty-seven years old and gets whacked at the Cowboys and then ends up coaching Duke. He gets a big-time job leaving here. Being being a head coach of Dallas Cowboys does not kill his resume. I, I Jane, uh, I know you said yesterday you actually liked this name. There aren't a lot of names that you think make a lot of sense, but this is what would actually intrigue you. And so I'm curious for you on this. He is in Dallas now. He is a big name. It would be a splash hire. What would you think if they talked to Bob Stoops? That doesn't bother me. That's I think Stoops, I think, that's, See, I think that's a not, star name, and I think that's a guy who has a history of pushing players to reach their potential. Yeah, but then you get his brother involved on defense somehow, and it turns into, you know, that kind of... It's starting to feel a lot like that defensive coaching staff's going to get reset anyway. I understand. I understand. Really? That's how I... I mean, I think that... I feel feel I'm hearing more about the offense than I am the defense. I I, I think that... I made this observation yesterday, and I know there's been chatter out there on social media and things about that, about, you know, where Ben Bloom had been. But, like, I mean, you look at... that. (laughs) It was... It, it, it was reminiscent you know to me story, ben, huh? ben Bloom coaching <laughs> Ben Bloom coaching out there uh, at practice yesterday. It reminded me yeah. of midway through last season when it was Mark Colombo running the drills and Paul Alexander had stood in the corner. Yeah. It looked like that, and so that feels like that's you know starting to be a little testy. And then you've got Rod Marinelli who's getting near the end of retirement. Uh, I, I mean, it's just I I, Look, I wonder. I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. I have sources that have told me that on defense things are not a okay. Yeah. There has been a little friction this year. Oh, I'd say a little is being nice. I, I a mean, little is being nice. I, I referenced this on one of the pods. Somebody had told me, I remember saying, like, it's interesting why Chris Richard didn't stick around longer in Seattle. And somebody told me, said, sometimes personalities wear on people. Oh, yeah. Shine has worn off a little bit on Chris Richard. Sure it has. Sure it has. But if you do decide to make your bed with Chris Richard, I think a logical next step and logical next person, somebody who's got a pedigree, when Atlanta fires Dan Quinn, I think he would make sense here. If well, you're gonna I, if you're gonna continue with Chris Richard, they've coached together, they've been successful together. And when I say that, I want to be careful because I think sometimes people take these things and they run with it. Chris Richard has lost his shine a little bit in the sense that I feel like he is not as attractive as he was last year as the head coach. We saw his fiery personality on the sidelines. That defense was playing their minds out. What I've been told essentially is that there has been some division amongst some of the defensive players, but guys like Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, very much team Chris Richard. Yeah. So see, it's not like he's I, I mean, lost I mean, this is players, why you see, you see but, how irritated fans are right now. But, but There's the no point, doubt they've got the, that same sort right, of friction the, among right, each other. The point is it's not as cohesive as right. it was last see, year. And that happens when you're Because losing. they're disappointing. That's, yeah. And that's why you don't fire Jason Garrett four games left and hire Chris Richard, because you don't want that muddledness that's a, a word I just might have made up. I, I think we'll word. take it. Yeah, the muddleness like at, at the <laughs> at the end of the the end of the season. All of a sudden, you got whoa, wait, they won four games. They're in the playoffs. Oh, now we have to deal with Chris Richard. And no, oh, wait, I need to go for bigger. Now you got locker room divided. Half are saying, "Well, we did a great job with Chris." Well, no, no, we didn't. We need to do something. The reason why we're this record is because. Because well, to your point, do you not think the Scott Turner situation is going to make things a little bit weird in Carolina? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, sure. he's going to have to be a head coaching candidate. Yeah. Then do you start looking on the outside? How much of this was planned? How much did they talk about this ahead Absolutely. of time? I, I, I want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding you either. I know you said you're pr- trying to prepare fans for the possibility. Would you if you, would you think it's likely he's the he- Jason's the head coach next year? Or, or would you just say you think it's 50-50? She sounds like she's or, pushing her chips in the middle I, I, of the table. I, I think she's just wanting to, people to be guarded against the very real possibility. I think it is a possibility, but I, well, I, I, I 
do you think it's likely at this? Would you say it's likely that's where you would place your bet if you had one? You'd say he will be here next year. Yes. Okay. I'm beginning to feel like they they truly if if they go on this run and they went out here in the month of December and they just get to the playoffs. You know, my colleague Ian Rappaport reported that all he, Jason Garrett had to do to really be secure was to get to the playoffs. And I remember laughing and going, we were no, sitting you've in there got in to the, go to the yeah. Super Bowl. Because everyone I had talked to had talked about this was as mad as they'd seen Jerry Jones. And, you know, he was livid and you could see it. You could hear it. And, you know, you've seen Jerry when he gets mad. I mean, Oh, this I've been a in a room with him for six years. Yeah, yeah I know. A, it was a different level of mad. But then when he walked it back and he walked out of the locker room. And, Brian, I'm telling you right now, I've said this already in the last week. It felt like he felt... He had put on a helmet and a jersey, and he was part of that locker room, and he felt this this need to go Why? run through a wall for his coach. I don't know. There's six in damn six. Here, here's, here's, here was my theory. This there, was just my, and I was not, sta- Jane was standing right I there. I mean, Jane right was face there. to face I, with I me. Know, but like I know. I understand. In front of me, and I, was, I walked back, and I saw him, and I said, Bobby, I, I literally was, I was shaking my head. I was, I, I was. I, I didn't know how he could sell me all of that for t- over close to 28 minutes. But I walked away going, he really I, believes I, this. I, then I, why did he I, do I, what he did I, against New England? See, see, and that's the thing. That's upsetting. That's I, why I, I said I, that's I, the I, general manager talk. I, I honestly think it's a blend of truth. What I honestly think it is is he does view Jason Garrett as family. He wants him to get it done. And I think he realized after that Buffalo game it's going to take a miracle redemption run for me to bring this guy back. And so instead, he's just talking about that's what we're going to do. He He's willing How do you that. Trust he wants this team? that. How do you All trust right, this so team? Now I'm going to bring back the Tony Romo analogy, right? Right. A lot of people have talked about Tony Romo's not the guy that's going to get you a Super Bowl. You got to move on. And I think I think there were parts of Jerry that probably knew that, but he was so close to it, it was hard for him to see that. But the minute that he got Dak Prescott on that roster and saw him beat Green Bay on the road the way that he did, he did. He had a better option. My point is, and we'll go back to the dating analogy. You <laughs> don't leave the girl that's vanilla, even though she is, she's stable. She's the family loves her. She's not going to cheat on you. Sure. So we'll switch this to the girl analogy. Unless there's a hotter, better option. Yeah. He doesn't have a hotter, better option right now. In my opinion, I, here, a proven hotter, here, better it, option. It, if, if, Time for Steven to take it, over the team then? If, if, if Minnesota under if Minnesota underperforms, if they're one and done and it comes down to extension or fire time and they fire Mike Zimmer, I would think that Jerry would view Zimmer as a, a preferable option over Jason. I because that is a guy he's at, known. That's a guy that's been know, in the building for a while. I keep looking at the Zimmers, the Ron Rivera's, his lateral moves. I, I've, I've just never, ever heard Jerry like, like he's done this year. I've never, ever heard Jerry If Sean Payton go were available his, right now, this thing would be done. See, that's what I'm saying to me, and and I and this is going to sound strange. Coveted. Well, yeah. th- think about who's lost. I'm just here. saying, Sean Payton got out of the building. Mike yeah. Zimmer got out of the building. Bill Belichick got out of the ski resort from you. He's losing to these guys that are, you know, Adam Gase, new head coach, new shiny toy over there. Uh, Sean McDermott, a guy who got could you be know, a one and done over uh, that Sean, Jets, yeah. by the way. <laughs> well, Sean McDermott, a guy that like you should yeah. know that coach yeah. really well, having yeah. been in your division playing him for as yeah. long as you did. Sure, I think that I think that Jerry's coming to a point where. I think it's just fresh in his mind and all these losses that they've had. I think it's just fresh how much these are opportunities we could have had with these guys. They, they keep, like you said, 0-5 against winning teams. How I, he, I think he's trying to justify it right now. I think when they're going to win four straight but games. What, but what's made Jerry mad is when he looks at them getting beat because of a lack of effort and execution, right? So like we saw that with the Rams game. We saw that at the Packers game. 
if they go on this run and it looks like they fought for their head coach, they were in this, they turned the corner, Jerry is going to use that as fuel on his pros and cons list on that notepad he talks about to bring Jason back. So you're thinking with what he said yesterday on the radio that that was the the shot that should let us know that he's bringing him back. Uh, he disagrees. No, I, I, yeah, I, I think I'm the one that believes that was him keeping the door open for us. I, I think Jared, like I said, I my interpretation. What interpre- else would he say? It? My, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, just don't know how you. I just don't know how you sit there and, and if you're the general manager and you think you've you've built a talented enough team and maybe guys like me misevaluated coming out of Oxnard. Maybe the 30 days of watching practice gave Cowboy fans hope, and I shouldn't have given Cowboy fans hope. We all saw that. I should have said, I should have said. This isn't on you, bro. No, no, no. no, no, I'll take it. I got big shoulders because I I came out of Oxnard seeing some positive things about the secondary. I saw some positive things with Malik Collins. I saw some positive things with Connor Williams. You know, I saw some positive things. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott seems to be like the one thing that came out of camp that was actually pretty good. Other than Robert that, Quinn. Been, yeah. Michael Gallup. I, yeah, I, I, I think that I think that though I don't I don't think you're wrong to have praised this team. Sound to me, the most talented team I think I've seen since the Super Bowl era, honestly, was the 2008 team that went nine and seven and disappointed so much. I thought talent collection wise, that was as strong as they were. This feels like 08 to me almost that they are just a mess chemistry wise. And I think that when you talk about your head coach is only responsible for preparation and you know the chemistry and things like that. That is ultimately, I think, when they get by themselves and they look at it at the end of the year, that is going to fall on Jason for them. As much as it's going to hurt them, like it did with Tony and Dez, I think they're going to realize, just like with Tony, they didn't realize until Dak Prescott took over how much maybe there were some guys who felt like they were playing under the thumb of somebody else. And I think that it's going to, I think that freeing thing, I I think those things are going to be fresh in their mind. I think my biggest concern, guys, though, is, again, I keep going back to this. I talk to these players in the locker room and, and privately. I am. I would be curious to see how they would respond to an entire new coaching staff because we're not talking just about a few. I mean, sure, there's going to be some holdover. Well, let's see. What was Buffalo but, the well, most flat? They, with you, what Ryan. was Buffalo the most yeah. flat they had played this year, though? I agree. They should have played. They're, they're, they should have played up this, for their this, coach. No, Buffalo, they Buffalo I think, to. kicked their rear. Oh, I like Buffalo. I think you watched Buffalo. Buffalo was ready to play I, that I, game. I, I do, too. No, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, days. I'm, I'm not saying Dallas handed it over to him. I, I no. mean, I think it was a blend, though. I think But these that, guys that, still that, play for their coach. You, I'm you. They, they do. But I, I also think that when you talk about their preparation and how flat they looked, when they're, when Jason's job seemed at its most perilous this year, they went out there and dropped the ball. And there have just been too many of the ins- these instances this year, it feels like, where there's, there's odd tension or something. You know, there's a, a miscue here. Uh, it just feels like there's been way too much of that. I, I would say that from everything we've heard, though, Dak having to take charge this year, Bennett feeling like he had to take charge when he walked in. Randall Cobb has, at times this year, looked like he's trying to take charge and, and have that leadership. That, to me, says that those veteran players feel like there's been an absence of it. No, and I'm, that's, I'm with that's you on damning. That. So, you know, how do you defend... Being six and six, though, if you're a player, if you're in that locker room, how do you defend being? If you look around that room and you look at the players sitting next to you, to your right, to your left, across from you, if you're a player, how do you defend that? You know, you, you know, how I just, I'm, I'm curious well, because especially when you haven't had major injuries to this roster, no, especially when you've caught breaks against some of the tough teams that were on your schedule, guys not playing, yeah, absolutely. Then we even had Dak sort of drop these little nuggets. Remember earlier this year about the practicing harder, yeah. and he, where he said guys need to practice harder. I'm, not, I always go hard, but guy, certain guys need to practice. There's been calling out this year, and then the guys. I mean, could this actually be on some of the players? But then 
the argument is, well, then is it on your coaching staff to hold these guys accountable? We, I mean, we, we were talking with Jesse Holly about Bill Belichick mm-hmm. and how if you didn't have a good day at practice, you didn't play. True. Jason's not that type no. of coach, in my opinion. He's no. not taking Amari Cooper off the field because Amari had a bad day, bad day at, at practice. Yeah. You, you, you know, you watch practice and they might have eight plays at a period and they have to do two or three of them over because they have mistakes or something like that. You know, I mean, is that, is that on the coach, on the player? I mean, I'm just saying it to me, I, I, it, it, it's if you, if you're a player and you, you enjoy playing for Jason Garrett, I, I get it. You know, I, it, I, I can understand that. But think about, you know, as a player, you don't have many of these campaigns. You know, the life expectancy of an NFL player is only so long. And, you know, and you're wasting opportunities. You know, Jason Witten came you think, back yeah, from retirement yeah, you for think, this. Yeah, exactly. You think that's exactly where I was going. You think Jason Witten came back to be on a 9-7 and seven football team that's struggling to get in the playoffs? He No, he saw an He's opportunity. Kind of used to this. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and I mean, I just think at the end of the day, they're going to look at this and they're going to say, it, it, I think the guy you really heard and what his perspective is was Jerry after the New England game where he said, I should not be this frustrated with this talented team. See, that, like I told you guys to start this thing, that's the general manager talking. That's what general managers say when they're in a meeting. And, and I'd be really interested to see how those staff meetings are on Monday or Tuesday morning when Jerry walks in there with Steve and he sits down and says, okay, what was the assessment of the game? And you've got, Jason saying this and Kellamore saying this and you know and, they, they, you know. They, they they've reset their entire assistant coaching staff over the last few years. They've gotten this young talented team. Now they've kind of lost this window of cheap young talented quarterback because they're going to have to start paying a bunch of people. And you haven't had injuries this year, and opposed, opponents have had injuries this year. I feel like this is the year with the least amount of excuses. You need luck to win a Super Bowl. Together, you need luck to win a Super Bowl. Trust me. In 1996, when I was in Green Bay and we won that Super Bowl. You could have run over our team with a truck. Nobody was going to get hurt, <laughs> and we got lucky along the way. Caught some breaks. This team has caught more than enough breaks. The division should be with Philadelphia's trying to give you this division. There should be a three, four-game lead right now of this division. It's pretty bad when you look at the way other teams are winning their divisions. Absolutely. And how pathetic 6-6 six and six means yeah. you get to get in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, no, how do you no, feel like some of these other teams are feeling? I, 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 I mean, see, see, gets in the Seattle and San Francisco mo- may both finish thirteen and three. You may have a thirteen and three football team visiting a five hundred Cowboys team in the playoffs, and that will visiting. See, that's that's what I think is so crazy about this, and people will still think Dallas has a chance. Oh, they still have a chance. Got a talent, you know. I, I, to me, no, they don't because a guy have. in San Francisco will figure out some way to beat you. That's, you know, and I agree, guys. Like they've given us no evidence to to believe that this is their year, that they are going to be able to turn the corner and make this a December to remember. Sure, I, and I, I think Jerry can believe that right now. I think he believes that can happen. But then if it doesn't, I think he's going to be kind of all right. We're done. Here, hey, the, I'll be the first one to apologize on your podcast. You ever asked me back if he gets this thing in the playoffs and they have success? Because I, you know, if you every week I've tried to I've picked this I, hell I picked this team to win on you know on on our pregame show against New England. I'm mm-hmm. thinking New England's not that good on offense. They kept it within four, Brian. Yeah, but they gave up a block punt. You see, did you go back and watch Belichick talk about how they yeah, blocked the that punt was, that and was... the, the attention to detail of well the wind was blowing this way. You have a left footed punter. You think Jason Garrett's talking about that? He's, he didn't even know about, about practicing outside that people are giving him grief about that. But he did it ahead of this Thursday game against the Chicago yeah, Bears. The, the, yeah, Brian. you know why? And he also went for it on fourth and one at, at, at the night, his own 19. The, the, and they didn't go get a new kicker. I mean, that's like a whole... The fact they didn't even hold tryouts. 
Well, they did. They did. They did hold tryouts. They did. And they then t- what happened? They just didn't like any of the kickers. They brought. They said the. I was told that the kickers who came in handled the conditions well, but they're not going to make a change at this time. So I said, fine. Why? It just. They, that's all I got. We're not going to make a change this time. You know why? Because again, coaches are afraid to change something that they they know what Maher is. He he can make it from sixty one, or he can miss it from thirty one. They know that. If they know that, why are they letting him kick from 31? It's the same it's thing. It's this. It's again. It's attention to detail. It's you know maybe this guy maybe this guy from Monday through Saturday kind of gets it. You know does things. Everybody feels good about him, and then they get to the game on Sunday, and sometimes on Thursday or Monday, and it's just not good enough. That's I'm, that's if I'm Jerry Jones, that's my problem. And that, I'm with you guys, Brian. I'm with you, Bobby. We've talked about. This oh, I know for you are. I'm just, Dallas, I'm just the, saying. The biggest knock on Jason has always been that he. You are going to get out coached, and he does not know how to be a reactive coach on the sidelines. I am a terrible sideline reporter. I'm a much better reporter breaking news during the sure. week and doing these shows when I'm prepared. Yeah. But if you put me on the sidelines, I'm not the best sideline reporter. I, and I just feel like that's his problem, too. I think the best thing I've ever heard anybody say about Jason Garrett was Gavin Dawson from 105 Through the Fan, where he says, Jason Garrett is a great map maker and a bad test taker. That when it comes down to execution game day, there's just issues. He he he's not good at that. He's good at creating a plan, being there Monday through Saturday to get you prepared. But then Sunday when it's out there, you're gonna fall short. And you hear Jerry in three or four different losses this year post game. He is talking about the difference in the game. Is look how well Mike Zimmer had his team prepared. Look yeah. how well Sean Payton had his team prepared. Yeah. Look how it, it's he's drawing compare and contrast to his head coach consistently when they lose games. That's got to be bad. These for Jason. coaches, these games that they've lost this year with with without talent without you know guys out because of injury and stuff like that to me this is the this is the most damning thing about jason garrett's administration that that you cannot take advantage of a situation like that you know that you go to new orleans and give sean payton a lot of credit he tailored a game plan that was great for teddy bridgewater found a way to win the game their defense played great that's what you got to have you got to have that okay we're not we don't have our fastball today but why do we keep throwing our fastball? You know, that's where I think the difference in these these games are. Game, guys like Sean Payton going out and winning a game like that. Well, you know, well, Bill Belichick, his he knows Tom Brady's Tom Brady's near the end. Yeah, his offense the offense isn't as good. Conditions were bad. They go out and win a game with special teams and defense. Well, then then just for for fun, really quickly, Jason Garrett. Let's say he's not here. Who do you who give me just give me a name? Who you think could be the head coach twenty twenty? I th- I, if I put, you had to go put some money on Vegas, if I had to put money on Vegas, I think I think there is I think below Jerry Jones there is a there is a an interest in Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. I think there's an interest there, I really do. But I think he's going to if he's going to if he can't get one of the top top dogs, Urban Meyer is going to make a big push because Urban Meyer again will allow Jerry to maybe say, "What about this coach?" Well, what about this coach? It'll still allow him to play that Jones family game where they kind of put a coach in or two and keep. I, I think that Urban Meyer, to me, again, you could say all the things you want about just a bad off-the-field guy. He's won at every level, but it might, again, it makes everybody accountable in your locker room, and then it'll allow the Joneses to kind of help him with the staff. And he can handle the politics that come with the job. Yep. It's a young football team. He knows how to motivate young men. He knows college it's, players too. It's not not, not only just yeah. knows college players, really knows well the guy you just invested ninety million dollars in. Yeah, 
And, and you know, that's why another name that I think is worth remembering along the lines Bourbon is Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's not a bad name. But can Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen has done that, a great that, job. That, that quarterback would vouch for him if the name came up in the Absolutely. building. Absolutely. If you, to me, when you start talking about the Greg Romans and stuff like that, okay, throw Dan Mullen's name in there. I think he has to go get a guy from the college ranks. I really do. I think this game is turning into throwing the football, being creative, doing those types of things. I think that that's where offensive-minded coaches, especially the head coach, the play callers, I think that's where those guys work out. And does Kellen Moore stick around then? If if we go for the if you go for the Urban Meyer thing, absolutely he does. I, 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 no, okay, I say absolutely. I'm saying that that the, the suggestion if Urban Meyer's named the coach, I think the suggestion will be Urban will say, well, let me evaluate what the coaches are, and then you got Jerry and Steven saying, hey, listen, this is what Kellen Moore did for this is what he did for Dak Prescott this year, and then you know he'll go, oh well, yeah, I, I'm very aware of what he's done. You know, they moved the ball and. Kellen Moore better find a way to finish. Let's, let's give Matt Rule an interview. I think that'd be fun down at Baylor. I've, I, I, a lot That's of a people, guy who his whole calling card is toughness and preparation and getting guys to play hard. Matt Rule is, has done an outstanding job in a terrible situation at Baylor. you got to give him a lot of credit. You're absolutely right. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. All right, one of the national writers out there that really seems to have a pulse on this Cowboys team, and I enjoy reading some of his articles, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. Uh, one of his really interesting articles he just put put out, the headline reads, Jerry Jones has said he'd do almost anything for a Cowboys Super Bowl. Now it's time to prove it. He's got some great stuff. Charles, go ahead and give them your handle so they can follow you and read this one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter uh, at Charles Robinson, just like it sounds. Spelled it out, uh, just at Charles Robinson. And 
I mean, that's it for me on social media. I'm not an Instagram guy, so you got to find me on Twitter. And you've also got a podcast. Why don't you give them uh, where they can find that, too? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. Uh, I've been going about a year now, and we'd love to have as many Cowboys fans as possible tune in. That would be great. Awesome. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this article. You know, Jerry Jones has talked about making deals with the devil. You referenced one of his comments where he said, you know, I'll tell you what, I'd do anything to get another Super Bowl. It would be something indecent. There isn't much I wouldn't do. We've been kicking around this notion of Jason Garrett. And it, and for me, Charles, it feels like he's preparing us for the possibility he could bring him back. Would he indecently decide to do that? Or would he indecently decide to let go of his creation, Jason Garrett? Man, I, you know, his roller coaster of emotions, you know, I, I, I can't figure out one day to the next whether, you know, am I reading into, okay, they've made this decision, you know, to part company with him, or is he now starting to, as you said, kind of lay the tracks to maybe open the door to a return? Um, I, I'd just be stunned if, unless there's some um, significant step forward in the postseason that he can point to, that he'd bring Jason Garrett back. Like, I, I just, I, it's, it's hard for me to, knowing how there are certain individuals in the league who look at Jason, knowing how the fan base feels, knowing how, uh, you know, what his record is in terms of, you know, overall accomplishment spanning a decade. Um, I just don't know what the justification would be unless there is, as Jerry has sort of said, a run there. If there is a run, you know, if this, the hopes and dreams that Jerry's sort of pinning everything on, if this is an NFC title game run, if this is a Super Bowl run, okay, well then there's an argument to be had at that point, but you got to beat a team above 500 first, right? Before you can make that run. Charles, when you look at in general how Jerry's handled previous coaching searches, you know he he's made big splashes historically with Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer and Bill Parcells, and then there have been other times where it's seemingly he's made the boring hire, and you know it's Wade Phillips and Chan Gailey and Jason Garrett. Uh, if they do open up this coaching search, if Jason Garrett is not the guy, which direction do you think they're going here? Are they going to go safe, steady? retread type of name somebody who's had some experience in the nfl john fox that kind of a name or, or do you think they're going to try and really go big splash hire i i honestly i think it, it's a big hire like I, I i think if if they move on from jason see I, I tend to think that he's not that dissimilar from other nfl owners where they'll have a certain type type of experience with a coach and then what they do is they will overreact and go in the other direction so you know you'll see owners who will you know, they'll have someone who might be a little more difficult to control, um, you know, someone who treats them a certain way in the facility or however that works, and then they kind of swing in the opposite direction. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to look at Miami's situation. And Adam Gase was a guy who I think Stephen Ross, when he was there in Miami, there were times where Stephen Ross would be around Adam Gase and didn't feel like he owned the Dolphins. Like that kind of felt like his interaction with Adam Gase um, on, on any given day. And Brian Flores is brought in and, and, you know, Flo's got a great track record. You know, people across the league all love Flo. He, you know, Bill Belichick is, is fully behind Brian Flores, but he's also a guy who knows this is the owner. You know, I know how to treat the owner. There's no sort of, you know, um, some guys understand that, you know, you just how you relate to a coach, but I, you could see 
part of that swing between having an Adam Gase in the building and having a Brian Flores in the building. And sometimes I think when you look over the history of Jerry, there have been times where he's had, um, you know, Jimmy clearly was not the easiest guy to control. You know, that, that ended the way that it ended because of the fact that Jimmy wasn't going to always be controlled and there was going to be an ego clash. Whereas Barry, you know, Barry was that kind of bombastic guy. He was out there, but he also knew, you know, where Jerry stood in the organization. You know, he, he understood what the line was and he was able to walk it, you know, as, as far as, you know, Jerry wanted him to walk it. And, you know, so I think Jason, a lot of fans look at Jason as being that guy who walks that line, who is okay and deals with a lot of things that you have to deal with, you know, with Jerry on a, on a continual basis. But I, I, I just can't see Jerry being where he's at, the age that he's at, what Jerry's 77. I can't see Jerry sitting there going, I'm going to, I'm going to play this safe. I'm going to be, you know, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the safe hire. And, you know, we've all talked about this before. It's been something that's been out there amongst all of us who have, who have dealt with the Cowboys over the last several years, you know, this infatuation with a guy like Sean Payton. I don't think Sean Payton's necessarily a safe, you know, that's not a safe hire. Like Sean can be a difficult guy to deal with internally in the building in, in New Orleans. He can be a difficult guy to deal with for, Mickey Loomis, you know, I mean, he's close to Jeff Ireland. I know there have been disagreements at times, even though he and Jeff Ireland are very tight. He can, he can challenge the building. And if Jerry, if that's a guy that Jerry is interested in or has been historically interested in the last few years, that tells me he's okay going out and finding somebody that will challenge him. Charles, is Urban Meyer too much of a lightning rod here? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, buckets. I mean, what do you? I, what, what? In what way do you think he's a lightning rod? I guess I, the off the field. Think, do you think that the problems yeah. with the the way that the staff was handled at Ohio State, right? You know, with uh, the the not the disclosure of you know keeping a coach on staff that you right. know had had some some trouble with uh, you know with uh, with uh, domestic abuse and stuff like that. Is is it something mm-hmm. that? You know, is it something that, uh, is that, uh, is that a problem? I think it's a conversation, but I, I tend to believe that, you know, that is something that when I look at like Greg Shiano and some of the things that, that had happened with Greg, you know, when, when he was throwing his name, you know, into the ring with other college jobs. Sure. You know, I think those are things that uh, on a college level, you know, there, there's an immense amount of pressure, particularly in, in the collegiate system and with individuals, you know, who are sitting there saying, hey, no, we're, we're here for higher education. This is what we, you know, there's that sort of razor's edge between education and sports in the NCAA. It's not like that in the NFL. Like, I think in the NFL, it's, it's very much business and it's like, okay, we will overlook you know, maybe some things that have happened in the past and we will sell this as your second chance. And, you know, we'll say we went through the process with you and we feel okay with this and we're willing to take that, that gamble. And then I think it's, do you win? You know, it's, it doesn't become it, the, I think the chorus of sort of that um, conversation around urban Meyer would be minimized if you were an individual who came in and went one you know, in an NFL franchise, look, we, we see it look across the league. There are a lot of guys playing in the league who are on second chances. And although there might be an initial sort of fear over bringing an individual in, it tends to die out with results. 
Join here with by Charles Robinson of Yahoo. Charles, the I was going to ask you about the college coaches. And when you talk to general managers around the league, what is their thoughts about hiring college guys? You know, well, again, uh, say a Lincoln Riley, somebody like that. Right. Are, are, are they more, is it more open or are people saying, well, wait a minute, give me, I got to have this guy over here who's the, co- uh, the, the pro assistant, has pro background and all that. How are general managers uh, looking at these college coaches? I, you know, I think it's different strokes for different folks. It depends on, you know, different owners kind of look at college. I, it, it, I don't think owners are very good at hiring coaches in the first place across the NFL. When I just talk about the, the wider swath of the league, you know, they'll lean on, you have some guys who will lean on, you know, they'll call Bill Polian or Charlie Casterly or Ernie Acorsi and say, Hey, who, who's on your list? You guys have bang list. your head I against the wall you. then. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I, I, you know, and I've had people in front offices say to me, Hey man, how do I get on Ernie's list? How do I get on Charlie's list? How do I get on, you know, Bill Polian's list? And they get frustrated because they feel like they're frozen out of opportunities because they're not on certain lists. Um, other guys will use, you know, corn Ferry. you know, they'll use a search firm and the search firm sometimes doesn't turn over every rock and then, you know, things develop down the line and the search firm gets blamed. Um, you know, but Jerry, I tend to think that Jerry is, he's a more hands-on type of guy in terms of, I, look, I think Jerry has a really good network across the league. I mean, no Jerry, question. whether it's the, I mean, other owners, yep. front office guys, players, a lot of people, you know, there's a two-way street of respect with Jerry. I don't think he has any, inf- you know, any problems getting accurate information on individuals. It just comes down to how does Jerry want to weigh and analyze what's in front of him. But when it comes to the college guys, I more often than not, I hear from teams when they're looking at, you know, whether it's like a Matt Rule or uh, Lincoln Riley, it's sort of like who would fill out a staff? What kind mm-hmm. of experience? would be there at the coordinator positions. That's always really important. I mean, shoot, even when Sean McVay moved over from, um, you know, from Washington because of, and I think a lot of it had to do with the age. It was a, a question in the room was for less need was like, okay, well, let's talk about who, you know, what coordinators do you have in mind? And, you know, Sean being who he was and having the, the respect that he had around the league, it, there was no problem there at all. But some of the college guys don't always have necessarily high level, you know, DCs or OCs lined up immediately to join them. And, you know, that can be a little bit of a hiccup, but then you get guys like Freddie kitchens who he goes into Cleveland. And I mean, honestly, the, the front office had a lot of Freddie's assistants and coaches lined up for him because they knew this is a guy who graduated pretty quickly from being, you know, a, a quarterback's coach to all of a sudden being a head coach. We, we're going to have to help him out there. So it, it's, I think it's just different for every guy. Some some college coaches really have a great network. Some don't and, and are going to need some help. And I think that's what you weigh in the process. That was certainly the case, too, if you think about what Kime did with Cliff Kingsbury, and especially right. because he was a late hire. And that's yeah. why I think it's going to be important for Jerry. Timing is going to be important for him here. You know, the Carolina Panthers have sort of jumped on this thing early. Yep. They've they've essentially said, we are we are actively out there. We didn't want to do this behind his back they're going to get the first interviews. I think that's I think that's huge. And I, I think that's going to be interesting to see how that affects the situation with Jason Garrett because what's going to be left standing? Because last year we knew how upset Jason was after that Rams game. And while I felt like he was kind of figuring out, am I going to give Garrett the extension? Are we going to uh, move on from him? I think when they finally came up with that decision, there weren't a lot of guys still left standing. So I, th- I think it put him in a bind that they had to stick with 
uh, Jason the way that they did. Uh, let's move on to the Dak Prescott talk. Uh, you've had a couple of articles about this. I've certainly been looking into this. Uh, one of my sources telling me that it looks like they're moving towards a franchise tag uh, with Dak Prescott. What is your sense of what is going on with Dak and this team as it relates to getting him a contract? Because it doesn't appear as though they've got any problems with him off the field or necessarily on the field. He's had one of his best career seasons. Is this really just Todd France being Todd France and a guy you want doing your contract, but maybe not the easiest if you're a franchise trying to sign all these players and now you're not getting a hometown discount from your quarterback? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you just (laughs) – Todd France, the discount. I mean, this is – to me, that's part of what – has dragged on. I mean, you know, early, early on in the process, what I was told was the reason why there was really some difficulty early in the process was just that Dallas came in low. You know, I was told flat out like Dallas's first offer on the table was like 25 million. Now this was a while ago and, but it was low enough at 25 that, you know, Todd France, from what I was told, I mean, he was upset and he countered with just an astronomical, you know, per year figure, not not because that's what he actually wanted, but he was kind of flipping the bird to the Cowboys saying, like, look, we're not doing this. Like, we're not starting, in the, you know, in the 20s. Like, you can get off that right now. We was need it to close to 40, moving. Charlie? <laughs> it, I, it, was, it actually was close to 40 now that you bring that up. I know that was, a, you know, that was quite a uh, moment in time when everyone was like, what, 40? And actually, that was dead on. And I think, uh, you know, at that time, once the it was interesting because once you put the forty number out there, you know all of a sudden it was just, wow, what you know was that really a real number and was it not? And you know and it, well maybe it was you know are we talking about guarantees? Are we talking about incentives? I'm like come on man, what you know why are we playing this game? Like you threw a big number, like stop it. And um, you know so I think that that's sort of the the average per year was a conversation at the start but then as things kind of moved on what i what i was told was hey look todd this is really becoming a year's argument like todd is sitting there saying you know what we 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 need a four-year deal here we don't want to do the seven we don't want to do the classic you know monster quarterback deal there's a you know a cba negotiation going on i it would be malfeasance on my part to lock him into you know some kind of a say a seven-year deal and then all of a sudden figures explode because we don't know what the CBA is going to look like. And Jerry, you probably have a good idea what the CBA is going to look like. We, we want to, you know, we want to keep this short and sweet. And Oh, by the way, with the way quarterback money is going now with the, you know, Dak Prescott could be a guy who plays into his forties. If we can, and we believe in him, if we can keep doing a series of four year deals, this guy's going to make $400 million by the time we're done with this. And um, you know, so I think that's part of what was going and, and, you know, Dallas was like, no, we want the, you know, we want the classic, we want the long-term deal. We want seven years of, of, you know, potential control here. And when you push for, for a longer term deal, the other side says, okay, that's fine. Amp up the, the APR, the average or the APY, the average per year. We want significant, massive amount of guaranteed money. You know, we want, you know, that into the well into the third year, you know, and we want, you're just going to, you're going to pay through the nose for seven years. And so I heard that was sort of what, what quickly became something that dragged on at the beginning of this year. And then what I had started to hear, and, you know, I, I saw the reporters say this as well, was all of a sudden there was sort of a backseat mentality. Like, Hey, 
all right, that's fine. Like the season started, Dak's got money. He's not hurting for this. We can play the patient game. Kirk Cousins did it. Dak can do it. And, you know, eventually Dallas, if if we're going to get into this kind of game of patience, we can go to the franchise tag and eventually you'll be hamstrung because we believe this guy is, his arrows only going up. And if you want to do 2020 on a franchise tag, and then maybe even do 2021 on a franchise tag, all of a sudden you're going to be in a world of hurt and look how it worked out for Kirk. And Oh, Hey, all these other quarterback deals are going to come in. Pat Mahomes is going to come in. Deshaun Watson is going to come in and the market's just going to keep going up. Few scenarios where Dak Prescott could make less money unless he plays poorly. And what has he done this season? Played great like a classic scene from Footloose, you know, when they're riding with the, the tractors and they're playing that classic game of chicken and then ultimately Kevin Bacon. It's a, it, If I was a quarterback, a franchise guy, I know he's got the insurance money, he's got the endorsements. Oh, it would give me so much anxiety because, you know, when I get these contracts done, even at my level, I'm like, just pay me whatever you want. I just want job security. I, I kind of love the fact that he's, you know, he's betting on himself, but that's who Dak Prescott well, is. And I, I mean, but also there is the argument that I'm sure the Cowboys are making right now that Dak, you're making one to two million dollars this year you, by not signing a deal. That's twenty million dollars in a year you're not going to have. You know, that's going to take a lot to make right. that up in future negotiations. Uh, but here, Charles, here's, but here's here's an interesting thing to think about in this whole equation, and I do think they are thinking about this. Remember, had Dak been a first round quarterback, that's five years of control. Right. So the way they're looking at it, anyway, they're sitting there going, "Hey, man, you, you're kind of playing with house money because you 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 came in. It, it stinks that you were drafted in the fourth round." But the, sh- the control got shorter, and now they have to pay you on the back end to reach just, let's say, the average five-year first-round quarterback deal. They're going to have to pay you through the nose at the end for those extra two years. To get to five years with you, they got to pay you a lot of money. And so you're sort of pay- playing with house money if you believe in yourself. And you know, remember, Dak goes through the, the whole, you know, the ringer kind of being a fourth-round pick and how he was questioned and how, you know, he wasn't necessarily valued. And then a lot of things sort of fell right for him. Got the opportunity instantaneously. All of a sudden, and, and he, every year got a little bit better, got a little bit better, got a little bit better, and really has blossomed this year. Um, I can see sort of where he can have that mentality of, hey, you know what, I'm going to roll the dice because so far I've bet on myself at seemingly every stage, and it's worked out really well. And for them to even get me to being what, I, what, what the control they would have had if I had been a first-round quarterback, they're going to end up paying me more money than had I actually been a first round quarterback at the back end, you know, that year. Best explanation I've heard so far. (laughs) Charles, I'm curious. There are people I think who could effectively argue that Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper are the two most important players for the Cowboys. There would be some debate, but I mean, there were people who would argue that Uh, you took care of Ezekiel Elliott when you still had two years of control on him. You took care of Jalen Smith when you could have had two years of control on him. Your head coach, your quarterback, and your receiver are all open now, and and they these are kind of loose ends that need to be tied up immediately. Has, has this been? Do you think the Cowboys are happy with the way they've played this, or do you think they're coming off themselves feeling like they were a little ill prepared for this convergence of deals? I think um, I think they're. I, I would say that they're probably okay with how they played Amari because the truth was. Um, they, Amari wasn't from the moment Amari was dealt to Dallas. And, and I, I had a lot of conversations with people around Amari when that happened, they weren't in overdrive to get a deal done anyway. I'm just telling you right now, I don't think Amari was ever doing extension from the point he got in 
to Dallas, I really felt like they were never prioritizing an extension. And their reason was, you know, Joel Siegel sitting there and he's looking at it and he's saying, look, he's, he's got the fifth-year option. He's going to make good money anyway. Let's ride it out. Joel Siegel likes to take guys to free agency, really likes to do that, or he likes to force you to tag guys. He's had, you know, guys get tagged. And um, so he was more than happy to do that. And, and the thing was, Amari was aboard, was a, you know, was aboard with it. So as long as Amari's not pushing to get a deal done. So I don't think Dallas looks at Amari and goes, man, we really screwed that up because I think they knew, like, Chances are, no matter how the, how hard they pushed, this was kind of going to end up in free agency anyway. Dak, ugh, you know that. Yeah, I think it's a little more difficult. You uh, there's, I franchises when they end up in these situations with quarterbacks where the money only goes up, always end up looking back and going, "Geez, man, we could have done this a year ago. We could have done this two years ago. Why why did we sit here and wait for the money to go up before we did this?" I mean, Kirk with with the Washington Redskins, it was a couple year process where internally the Redskins were like, man, we could have had this done at 18 per, you know, and then it was, Oh, we could have had this done at 22 per. Now it's at like 28. This is crazy. Like, what did we do? And then we paid out these franchise tags. So um, I, I could see them, you know, hindsighting the whole, the DAC situation, but I, I don't know. It's hard for me to even blame them on that because I don't think anyone knew, that Dak could maybe outside of that knew that he could have really developed, you know, to where he's, where he's at right now. I mean, Dak's he's done a tremendous job of getting better as a football player every single year. I mean, my hat's off to him. I, I understood why people questioned him, but you know, I can understand why he might, you know, carry a little bit of a chip on his shoulder when it comes to that discount, because he knows people questioned him and he believed in himself and he got better every year. And, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, they probably would have wished that, you know, they had gotten the DAC deal done earlier, but given what the circumstances were, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It was, I remember there was a time where it was hard to talk about DAC making $25 million a year and just be like, this is crazy. And it wasn't just in Dallas. I mean, you, when, when you'd go out, you know, I remember going through training camp, uh, to what a, no, it was, it was a year ago. And, uh, I remember I went and saw Dallas first in Oxnard and I, I, teams would ask me, where have you been? And they'd hear I'd been to Dallas. People say, is he really going to get 25 million a year? Mm-hmm. And it was pretty consistent. Like, really? They're going to pay him 25 million a year. And it was know, so much. So Charles, I, I remember when we were covering it for NFL network, of course we, we cover training camp practice live. I would deliberately say, look at the deep ball from Dak Prescott. Look at the footwork. We're seeing changes from him almost to say like, look, I know that you guys are critical and you, and you, there's a lot of doubters out there we are seeing changes in Dak Prescott. And I think you could argue that this season has still remained buoyant uh, because of him. Well, thanks for keeping this show floating, Charles. You've become one of my favorite follows. You always have a really good beat on the league. Uh, For those of you listening to this podcast, not familiar with his work again, he's on Twitter at Charles Robinson, senior NFL reporter for Yahoo. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope that some of the fans have listened to some of this Dak Prescott stuff. You gave the best explanation as to why that hasn't happened yet and uh, just how rich this guy could be in uh, the next year or so. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, Jane, Bobby, Buckets, I know all of your work. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> obviously, I'll see you when, uh, when I get out to town. I appreciate it. We look forward to Thanks, it. Charles. Drinks. Thanks, Charles. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Well, we spent most of this podcast, guys, looking ahead to Jason Garrett's future and already writing off this season. But, Brian, before we let you go, and we've really appreciated you joining us on this whole episode for us. Uh, that's just how good you are. And Cowboy fans, of course, can listen to you on the pre and post game on 105.3 The Fan here in Dallas. And you can also stream it on your apps. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on them resetting it, using this adversity as a hell of a comeback story and getting the win in Chicago on Thursday on the NFL Network. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that uh, you, you talk about. By the way, NFL Network, great job of what you guys do. And, you know, to me, they fooled me. You know, six and six is, I, I've been fooled all year by these guys. And, you know, when you would think that, yeah, they'll they'll go out and have a great uh, effort against the Buffalo Bills offensively. They'll be able to move the football. They'll, you know, they'll take some chances, so, you know. And then, then they'll watch them fall flat on their face. I don't know how you get excited about this team, I, I really don't. I mean, now Buffalo, uh, excuse me, Chicago Bears struggling a little bit defensively at cornerback spot. Looks like the Prince of Mukamara is not going to play. You know, that means that, you know, the Cowboys will have uh, another opportunity. You really want to stay away from the other side of the field and and uh, and attack, you know, that attack the, the side where Mukamara is. But now it's, uh, it seems to be, uh, you know, that they've got to come out and, and find a way to offensively to finish some drives. Move the ball up and down the field. But they get down inside the 30-yard line, 20-yard line, and then they have trouble finishing. If they don't finish drives like they, you know, uh, in this game, they'll lose. Uh, they will. You know, and we could say what you want about Mitch Trubisky and all that and, and what he's done at quarterback. He's played better the last couple of games. I went back and watched some other games on him. He has at times been god-awful. You know, and, you know, but you, just, you, know, you can't allow big plays. You can't allow him to stay in the game. And, uh, you know, that's where this game's going to come down to. Defensively, they're going to try and hold you down. Offensively, you have to be ready to kind of uh, do something to Drabisky, make him feel uncomfortable. They've had trouble doing that with these young quarterbacks here lately. 
I, I'm not going to pick the Cowboys to win another game this year. Even they they will, I'm sure, but I just I can't pick them anymore because they've made me look so stupid. How many times it's, I pick them? Six and six. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. Right. I, yeah. Well, my nickname moving forward, Slater Sunshine. Guys, you I are. appreciate you being on the podcast. <laughs> like I said, Brian, I always enjoy your insights. Uh, hopefully, we're talking sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns for the next podcast following this Bears game. Thanks for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 